Boom, and we are live with another episode of the Brownwater Banter Podcast. My name is Jared Seymour. My name is Joey Cates. That's right. It is Joey Cates. And uh, we got a great show for you. We've been off for a little while. We've been down in Disney World and uh, the Peter Anderson Festival. Well, that was a, a whirlwind of an experience. We need a break. We'll talk about it. Uh, but in the studio with us, we have Angela Mallet. She's going to be talking to us uh, about her nonprofit, uh, End It For Good, and drug policy today, right? Did I get that right? You got it right. All right, good. We're coming off of the... Uh, Today's the November the 9th, right? Yeah, yesterday was the 8th and uh, was uh, election day in the United States of America. And uh, a little bit to talk about there. Super proud of Mikey Zell coming out with the win. Yep. And our boy Calvin. Calvin Taylor. Yep, Calvin he took Taylor. A, he, he got took, the W. That's right. He got the W. That's right. Um, super proud. So congratulations to both of those guys. Uh, congratulations to everybody that ran uh, and that ran a, a well campaign. I know that takes a lot of work, hard work, dedication, and sacrifice. So uh, even those people who didn't get in, man, I do respect um, putting yourself out there like that and running, and it's a. Uh, hey, congratulations to everybody who voted. Way yeah. to be an American. Yeah. Way to yeah. exercise your rights. Yeah. Couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. Um, but before we jump into all that, let's uh, let's thank the sponsors, the American sponsors who keep the light on through capitalism <laughs> here on the show. Uh, Dr. Robbie Williams over at Southern Magnolia Smiles. If you're looking for a great local dentist, he's right over here on Washington Avenue in Ocean Springs. Check him out on the socials. He's on Facebook and Instagram at Southern Magnolia Smiles, or you can jump over to his regular website at southernmagnoliasmiles.com. Keep your mouth clean, man. Go make that appointment. If you've never been, there's nothing to be afraid of. He's a great dude, uh, easy to get along with, easy to talk to, and he's got a killer staff over there. So give him a call. Book the appointment, 228-215-1202. Um, our buddy uh, Jesse, I got to call Jesse this week again. Yeah, we got to uh, get a commercial. We got to get a commercial made. So, yeah, he's not just a sponsor. We actually... We use him. Uh, Hilltree Marketing. If you need a website built for any reason, keep saying that, for any reason. Maybe you're a small business, but maybe you're not. Maybe you uh, make pottery at home and you want to sell it online. Hilltreemarketing.com. They're a local company. Uh, go check them out. They've worked with a lot of local brands that you're familiar with, including us. Um, so give them a shout. Tell them that you heard about them here on the show. And uh, he's not going to let you down, man. He does photography, videography, builds the whole website. He's very professional. He'll take your... Uh, your game to the next level. And I do have Joey, the chair that's slowly sinking down. So you'll see me continues to do this for the that's, show. Yeah. Uh, for once I'm taller than you. Yeah. Right. Uh, Cedar swamp, our good buddy, Rocky, man, Rocky put us in uh coastal angler, Mississippi magazine and the Alabama edition. Correct. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So he's running Cedar swamp over there. Go shave Ankley road. If you need any outdoor apparel, tackle fishing gear, he's got you completely covered. And uh, like I just mentioned, he runs Mississippi Coastal Angler uh, Magazine, the Mississippi edition, and uh, just recently took over the Alabama edition. So uh, if you see that out and about, grab you a copy. They got some killer articles in there. Uh, Joey and I have a um, an ad in there as well, and we really appreciate Rocky for all uh, his support. Um, glad to be working with him. And then last but definitely not least, we've changed it up. We're going back to Taylor and Cox Law Firm as the sponsor because the race is over, like we mentioned. Winners win. <laughs> Winners win. So Calvin took it home. Uh, we're going to have to get him back in here at some point once he, you know, he's had a little uh, time to experience what it's like and talk to him about that and how yeah, he felt. I imagine his calendar might be full for the next few I days. I think it's probably going to be a little busy, yeah. So we'll give that some time, but we'll get him back in here uh, to talk to us. But congratulations once again to him and uh, – to uh, Ezo, man, I hope that I hope the internet's not going to do this to us again, Joey. It looks like we got this little uh, 
little uh, warning label here. But anyway, let's keep it going, and we'll see what happens. Uh, so, Angela, what's up? We've uh, Who do we have on from In It For Good? It was your CEO that was on last time? Yeah, I think you guys had Brett yes. before yes. our Biloxi event okay. a year and a half ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, time flies when you're having fun, right? It seems like that was just a few months ago. It does. It to, was a long Joe, time ago. To Joey and I as well. <laughs> but uh, tell us uh, real quick. Like, give people that didn't hear that episode um, a brief, you know, just like synopsis of what End It For Good is and what y'all stand for. Yeah, so here's our elevator. Um, End It For Good is a a Mississippi-based nonprofit, and we do community education, and we work on drug policy reform. So that looks like a couple of things. It looks like, uh, for me, a lot of outreach and advocacy work, so I... Spend a lot of time on the road traveling all over our state. So I am from everywhere from South Haven to Tupelo. Monday I was in Natchez, a lot of time in Jackson, uh, mm. just meeting people and talking with leaders around Mississippi about how our drug policies are affecting their communities. Right. So, you know, sometimes we're talking about, you know, what addiction is looking like in the families in these communities. Sometimes we're talking about what incarceration is looking like and this the struggle that's coming out of that so um that's what i do our organization end it for good like we work on drug policy reform trying to help think about how we can switch our drug policies that um that really just kind of promote more thriving and restoration rather than just constant like it seems like we're always hearing some problem that is criminal justice related right or um, you know, sometimes it's it's a lack of, of services for mental health issues. You know, we want to help people understand that if you shift our resources, you know, and you put it more over here on that, like, let's people, let's help people when they're struggling mm-hmm. rather than just all in the enforcement and punishment side, we might see some different outcomes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's hard, though, I think, for a lot of people to, to understand, right? Yeah. Because people want to punish people that... It may be not just so the the addicted person, but when they when they commit a crime that may be drug related, even if that crime is like minor possession, right? Yeah, people are kind of trained to think that you commit, you did something wrong, you need to go to jail, and that's probably I would think a ton, ninety percent of what you have to deal with is to try to change that that mindset, mindset, right? Yeah, and um, sometimes it's easier Mm. than others because nowadays it's rare to find someone in Mississippi or anywhere in the country for that matter, who's not been personally affected by substance use somehow, mm-hmm. whether that's uh, themselves have struggled with it or someone in their family, maybe a brother, an uncle, a cousin, we all know someone, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so because it has just grown and everyone's experienced it, it's, it's a lot easier to have conversations. But, right. you know, back to what you said about, uh, that's a hard thing to do because most of the time when a crime is committed, like a drug related crime, especially mm-hmm. if there's like a property crime involved, mm-hmm. there has to be accountability for that. Right. right? You know, right. like I, I want, if someone steals my stuff, mm-hmm. I want them to be accountable. Right. right? Um, so we're not saying that there's no, should be no accountability. We're saying that like, Hey, there are some more innovative ways that you can make sure that people are accountable Plus, they're getting the help that they need to get right. better. Yeah, because, I mean, you can look at, like, recidivism rates for the current way that things mm-hmm. are treated. 
And I don't think it's doing the, the greatest job of keeping people out of prison, right? No. Or from real. No, I think you're just going right back in there. I know. I know. We should have probably scooted that down a little bit. Just move it right. Yeah, that's here. fine. Yeah, there we go. Does that work for you? There yeah, I'm go. doing yeah. this. Can you see me? I can see you fine. Yeah, I look better than Jared. Anyway. Look, look, my chair continues to keep this going down. It's like, anyway. What's yeah. it waiting for? If anybody's watching, they're like, what is this girl doing? I'm going up and uh, down. It's yeah, just because yeah. I'm trying to see Jared's eyes. We should have moved that down a little bit. Um, but it's no, okay. you're right. So so what y'all y'all put on a, um, what would you call it? That event that we had in Pascagoula. We talked about it the last time. Yeah, uh, so you came to the one that we had in Pascagoula, yes. and then we hosted another in Biloxi. We've done them in about 30 cities around the state. Our next one will be in Natchez on December 1st. So we call them community discussions. There you go. And that's, a good, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah and, and that's exactly what it is. We invite everybody who might be connected to an, to the issue of drugs, whether that's, it, that, whether that's prescribing them, um, treating people who have challenges with them, um, enforcing our drug law. So I'm, when I go into a community, the first people I'm going to go sit down with is law enforcement right. and the judges and the prosecutors because they are literally the front line mm -hmm. of this issue. And I just you know, want to have conversations like, do you think that the way that this is working right now is giving us the best results for our, for our investment? And you know, we just kind of start the conversation there. And so we have these events and you know, we provide a meal, so best ideas, we believe that the mm. best ideas are shared over a meal. Right? And had the, we've been doing that for thousands of years, so yeah. you gotta make sure that food Breaking is involved. Bread. Yeah. Speaking of that, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah. we got some bread we're gonna break over here too, for sure. <laughs> so, so we sit down and we have dinner together, we do a presentation, Jared, you saw it. Uh -huh. Yeah. And we kind of break down um, where, when we think about drugs, and drug-related crime or harm that comes from drugs, we break that down. Like, what does that really look like? And you know, for all of us, we were we're all '80s babies. Yep. I think. Yeah. Just say no. Absolutely. Besides yeah. that one over there. Besides <laughs> that, that one over there. Yeah. She's gonna be the one that that fixes all the problems Absolutely. we create. Her That's generation. Good. Yeah, we hope, right? Um. Yeah, so we all saw the egg in the frying pan, and we saw yeah. dare. Your brain on drugs. Right, yeah. and it was like, if you do this, then then you're going to just go crazy. I remember also seeing on TV these commercials of like a rat in a cage. Yes. And they drink the water bottle. And if you, you know, this shows the rat just compulsively going over to the drugged water bottle that had like heroin or cocaine in it, and it just does it over and over until it kills itself. And so that's what we were kid, We were taught as right. kids. Well, then... We got a little older, and uh, we saw that maybe that wasn't the whole part, the whole story. Right. Right? So there were people who did use substances that, like, they're, they didn't spontaneously combust. Right. Some people did problematically use them, right? Right. And struggle with that. But most people, like, you know, you did it in high school or you did it in college, and then you just stopped and right. you moved on. Um. And if you look at data across, and this is in Mississippi, this is across the country, if you look at data, you see that 90% of the people in America who use substances do so non-problematically. Mm -hmm. They do so under the care of a doctor. They do so if, while they're going through a period of time. Maybe they need pain relief. Maybe right. they need emotional help with mental health issues. But then they stop and they move on because things get better. But we have this 10% of people who do develop problematic substance use mm -hmm. and need to go to treatment. And sometimes that turns into chaotic 
substance use where they're getting in trouble and getting arrested. Well, we focus like all of our efforts and all of our resources around this 10%, you know, the worst cases and the story that we, the stories that we tell, whether it's in movies or it's on, uh, you know, 60 minutes, the stories that we tell are the ones of all of the tragedy. Right. And so we base our laws around that. Right. And I think what has happened over, you know, the last five decades since we started the war on drugs, um, you could even look back to the last 100 years when it really started with the Harrison Narcotics Act in 1914. If you look at all of that, we've been trying to, to just focus on this one goal of eradicating substances from the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And like, when in reality, like, that's not really possible no. to do. It is part of like the human psyche right. to try to relieve pain and suffering. So what we, what I think, uh, and what lots of other people seem to think, is that maybe we're we're focusing on the wrong problem rather than focusing on how do we eradicate these things. It's like how do you help people get through whatever it is that they're struggling with? Yeah, yeah. And mental health is is huge these days. I guess a lot of people got away from mental health, I, or we didn't do have enough research or science behind mental health previous years before the. Mm-hmm. I guess um, what I'm trying to say is, um, out of that 10, percent what is the what keeps the people coming back and what doesn't? Like, what's how, the how many? Yeah, what's the difference between the people who go 100 percent off of drugs and then what's the ones that who who you actually reach and come back off of it? Yeah, well, I think the distinction is often trauma. Right. You know, um, think about our our buddies that we went to high school with. Like, you know, Justin and I went to the same high school we all right. were friends with the same people we have you guys went to st martin which is right. not very right far yep right so think about think about our peer groups okay. and though you know we all did the same stuff we all partied or none of us are angels here mm-hmm. no right but think about the ones who were able to just kind of move on from that and then the ones who kind of got stuck right and right. maybe they stayed stuck for a little while maybe they're still stuck there right research shows and through my own experience of, of having to walk through addiction and then navigate right. my way out, navigate my way out of it, I've seen that the people who get stuck there are the ones who are hurt, the ones who have experienced trauma somewhere. Or maybe it even doesn't even have to be quote unquote what we would label as trauma, right? Because that's a that's a very dramatic right. word. But maybe it's just something that happened to them that they weren't able to move past. Or they weren't able to process on their own. So they look for something to alleviate that internal right. pain and that internal suffering. And sometimes it's pornography. Sometimes it's gambling. Sometimes it's alcohol. All kinds of Sometimes vices, it's heroin. Yes. You know, right. sometimes it's working too much. Yep. I know quite a few extremely successful executives who like working and productivity is their coping mechanism from a whole bunch of shit that they, they don't know how to and deal with. they can't with. take a break. Yeah. They just do it 24-7. Right. So it's, it is it is very common that this happens. And uh, the ones, unfortunately, who have these experiences and now they're coping, they're looking for some way to help them just navigate this. And they get stuck there sometimes because of criminal justice involvement. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they get stuck there because of lack of resources. They don't know where to go for help or they're scared. Like, if I ask for help, am I going to lose my job? Right. Right. If I ask for help, who's going to pay the bills for my kids and, right. and my wife? You know, so we have 
we've like created this environment where you know it's not easy to ask for help and it's not easy to access the resources when you need to um, and and even even saying Jared I'm addicted to these pain pills you know like even admitting that mm. is like admitting that you're a criminal right right so you have to be able to wait say the stick, oh the stigma I'm, that goes along I'm with committing that. a crime too um, and what I would love to see is, you know, I hope that the next generation of kids um, or young adults who go through this, like, I hope that we get to a place where they don't have to feel afraid to ask for yeah. help and that they just really understand the truth about mental health. So. And are y'all working with large businesses and stuff like that to do that? Because I know what, uh, like, the school district and uh, probably with the hospital as well. We have a policy. It's a no ask, no tell policy where we go in. Hey, I need help. They'll help mm -hmm. us. Blah, blah, blah. They won't let release any bit names or anything like that. You might have to sit out of work for a week, do your whatever you need to do to get better, and then come back. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Are y'all y'all working the same businesses? No, we don't work with any private businesses. You know, to implement work policies like that. Although right. I think they're wonderful ideas, and I'd love to see all of them. You know, I'd love to see schools, mm. private businesses be able to do that. Um, we work a lot with our legislature, okay. um, having conversations, uh, advocating for for policies that will help you know, put resources into mental health and access to treatment rather than all into the, the enforcement and mm. the incarceration basket. We still need those things, right? We still need law enforcement. Mm. We still need our judicial system. Right. Right, those things are really important, uh, but we we really need to think about building out like our mental health resources in our state. The uh, at the town hall that y'all had in Pascagoula, mm -hmm. I was impressed with the fact that y'all had so many different um, stakeholders there. So from the law enforcement side mm -hmm. to the uh, drug court judges, drug court uh, staff, staff, yeah, yeah, exactly to uh, parents to graduates mm -hmm. uh, of the drug court, to prosecutors. I mean, it was it was very much, uh, mayors were there. Mayors, uh, we had um, actual two law legislators there. Yeah, the whole scene. Yep. Uh, there to, to all kind of, in a safe space, like you're saying, be able to, to talk and express p opinions or you know ideas that maybe aren't the norm right now. And, and nobody's really advocating, you know, because I think a lot of times this conversation can, people can, be like, oh, so what are you just saying? Like everybody should be able to do drugs yeah. and there's yeah. no laws and it's the hippie commune yeah. you know, and it's peace, love. And, and we know that's not true. And that's not what you're saying. That's not what I'm hearing you say. And, and having spoke with your um, your group there at the town hall, I know that's not y'all's message. Yeah, uh, but it can be construed that way. Correct. Especially, yes. Like, I'm always um, worried that coming from me that that can be the message, <laughs> right? Because I am a person in recovery and I did have this, you know, really not nice uh, experience with pain medication. And I've now been in recovery for almost seven years, but it's real easy to make that conclusion. Oh, well, of course she wants to, right, right. to decriminalize drug use, right? She was an addict at one point in time. And so let me just say that nothing could be further from the truth. I don't want people to use drugs right. because that shit gets ugly. <laughs> take it, just take it from me. If yeah. you want to hear some stories, call me. I'll share them with you. Right. It's not fun. Um, and and just like I was talking about earlier, like my story was was a, a product of, of having some really tough life experiences that I didn't have the tools to deal with at mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. 
didn't have the tools to deal with them, didn't know how to deal with them. Was kind of arrogant too and thought, oh, addiction, like that's not going to happen for me. I just yeah. graduated college. I got the world on my shoulders. Right. Um, you finished what? Engin- yeah, I was engineer? superwoman. Yeah, civil engineering. Civil engineering, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but, but you know, it did. Uh, life happens and sometimes we don't, we don't have or understand how to walk out of it. Um, so anyway, I don't, I'm never advocating for some, for people to use drugs. I know the harm that they can cause, but I do not believe that people should be incarcerated and criminalized because of it. Mm-hmm. I think there can, there are better alternatives out there for our state and for our communities. And I really want to continue to have these conversations in Mississippi because we're at the top of of some not great lists when it comes to incarceration. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just released uh, about three weeks ago that Mississippi is now the number one incarcerator of people in the world. Like in the world. like end of sentence. In the like, world. In the sentence. world. Like per, the whole world. Like whole. World. I think I think that's per capita, though. Right? Correct. Like citizens or population of the state versus how many are incarcerated right correct yeah yeah so no technically number of people like obviously places like texas right, and california right. have more people incarcerated ratio. than us but per capita right mississippi has uh 1000 it's a thousand it's either 1097 or 1084 people per capita i'll have to pull it up on my phone yeah y'all, y'all shared that um, at, the, at that meeting the well number, so the, the one that you were at jared at that time mississippi was number two Okay. Uh, Louisiana was ahead of us. So we beat them. And so the United States <laughs> incarcerates far more people than any other developed country in the world, right? And it, outside of North Korea, like a dictatorship. I was, yes, I was gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> Even North Korea? Yeah, out, outside of North Korea. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the United States does. And, and at the top of the, the, States in the United States who incarcerate people in Mississippi is now number one. Louisiana has made some significant reforms over the past couple of years, and their incarceration rates are going down. So we took that stop, top spot. And and so my question is, like, where's all this money coming from, <laughs> right? How Where's all the— To incarcerate people? Yeah. Taxpayers. Yes. Right? Yeah. We're paying for it. We're paying for it. And and is that is that the most fiscally responsible thing to do? No. Yeah. and uh, Three hots and a cot. Uh, Wes commented earlier. She just said you're the best. I'll read oh. that comment off. Uh, but but Lance just said, uh, Suckmill said that same thing that y'all are touching on right now is that drug drug reform would create uh, empty jail cells, which is the biggest itch, issue because it's all about the money. And it's not even just just that, which is a mm-hmm. big big part of it. But you also got to think. Do you remember? It's probably been maybe ten years ago. You would see police cars. Uh, new ones that would go by yeah. and on the side of it, it would say yeah bought no, no, by drug money this or something vehicle like that. bought yeah. by drug money and it's a large part of a lot i feel like um police department's budgets is seizures from from drug money you know i think so too um so that that would be you yeah. know they would have, where would that money come from like the supplement right and you know if you which doesn't justify it i'm no. definitely not saying that and and i don't know you know i don't know that Law enforcement agencies are like in malice in that. I think it's just the way that it is. that, that they have existed correct. and the way that they've done business and the way that they've, you know, bought the resources that they think that they need. What's really interesting to me, um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever like looked or written any kind of federal grants, but no. if no. you go look at grants.gov, right, it's, it's this whole like massive uh, clearinghouse of all federal grants that are available. So 
grants to help you know build new oyster reefs mm-hmm. like they're all listed there grants that are there to do beautification projects with MDOT that they're all they're on there struggling podcast I was gonna say you don't see these podcasts you know so so there might be some like rural communication strategy yeah. Yeah. Grant. honestly that is true like you could find yeah. something we need a struggling yeah. podcast yeah. I saw you know there are some my aunt she's a um she does pottery and she makes soaps and like the goat milk soap. She's all into that thing. Yeah, and, she's you know, spiritual, she, earthy. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> she's the coolest person I know. Um, anyway, so she was telling me the other day that they have like these grants available for um, what is what are they called? Like farms, like small mm-hmm. farms mm-hmm. that are doing oh, Organics. field to table. Table yes. to field. Yeah, that sounds right. Farm yeah. to yeah. table. Farm to there table. we go. That's yes. the phrase. Anyway, so you could go peruse grants.gov and find all kind of cool things. And what you will find is lots, if you search, you know, opioids or search uh, drug enforcement, you see that there's like tons of of money available from our federal government to um, in, enhance drug enforcement all across the country. And so the way that you qualify for these is that you go in your community and you make lots of arrests. Right. So it's like this perpetuating system, right. the money to address the drug issue, but you got to get it by keeping your arrest numbers up. Uh, Am it, I making so it's kind of like the government where if you don't spend it, you don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's incentivized inside of the grant yes. to, to arrest more people. Right. It's a part of the thing. And, and so like, I get it. Like you, you got to keep your employees. So you want to write the grants and get the money. And um, but if if it is incentivized by jacking up arrests. Somehow that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Because are like, are are we arresting people just to meet that number, or are we like trying to help help them? Is that increasing public safety in our community? Right. It's to me, it's 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 kind of a double edged sword because mm-hmm. when you think of drug abusers or drug users, you think of the the guy or the girl underneath the bridge who's yeah. just been whacked out of his mind or her mind for so long. You don't think of you know. It happens to brothers, sisters, mothers all over the place. And when you think about that, you think about, to I mean, uh, most people, it's that guy, not you. You know what I'm saying? That's going through this. So when they go, oh, the guy under the bridge is going to jail, we don't care about that. But right. somebody's sister, yeah. it hits a little different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, or mothers being taken right, away from their right, right, children. Right. The children have to suffer as well, right? I mean. Yeah. We've had we've had uh, Sheriff Mikey Zoe on the show and mm-hmm. mentioned him at the beginning of the show as well. And, you know, we, you see things in the news nowadays about, you know, defund the police and being soft on crime and all the major cities. The crime rates going up now. Um, so it definitely is a balance between enforcing the law, because um, I don't think I'm, you're not saying, you know, don't arrest these people or that just strictly because you are arresting someone that that is in and of itself wrong right because if they committed a crime yeah you be, you you should be arrested the thing i think what you're saying is and where the focus should be is is that once that arrest happens how then do we treat this person right it should it be as a criminal and a criminal only or should it be as a broken human right maybe who needs Can some, we fix some right. type of rehabilitation to, to to keep them off of that path right yeah. yes that's exactly what i'm saying you know and but i am also saying that that I don't think that all of the drug possession charges that right. we give out are are helping <laughs> like we think that they should. Right. Um, you know, I am in favor of decriminalizing drug possession and but also wrapping around services around people who are struggling with drug issues. Kind of like what Portugal does. Yeah. So in in Portugal in two thousand one 
they had a heroin addiction crisis that was just terrible. It's like five times the rate of what the United States is now. And so to kind of give you some perspective on that for those listening, last year in our country, 100,000 people died of fentanyl overdose or drug overdoses, many of them from fentanyl, right? And so in Mississippi, in the last three years, we have seen a 183% increase in drug overdose deaths, Mm -hmm. right? So this is for real, like- more it's it's it is, is that fentanyl it is a, it is a current is it, event uh, is it is it mo- mostly fentanyl yes, probably mostly yeah. fentanyl it didn't uh wasn't it even during the height of the pandemic do you know the stat that more people were dying from drug overdoses than were from covid I, i'm I pretty sure not i heard, that, heard that stat but it would not surprise me i'm, pr- I'm pretty well, sure people sit at home all day get stir crazy so what are you gonna do so it's a it's a it's a it's a big problem is what we're getting yes at, right? where, where, where was that at uh, portugal. portugal portugal yeah. okay there we go thank you yeah so we're portugal pros. had like this <laughs> horrible heroin addiction right. crisis going on and their prime minister was just like whoa y'all we cannot we cannot continue like this our economy cannot sustain this so what are we going to do and so they, he brought together this panel of addiction professionals, of scientists, of criminal justice professionals, doctors, and they were like, okay, so the best thing to do is decriminalize possession of substances. Mm-hmm. So it's still illegal to manufacture them, to Correct. sell them, to, you know, like, you can't just buy them on the street. Um, but what they did is they decriminalized the possession of it. So mm-hmm. now, when someone's pulled over, right, and they have a substance in their car or they're stopped somewhere and they've got, you know, cocaine on them or, or illegal pills, rather than giving them a felony and sending them through the system as usual, like they go and sit down and they are assessed by a panel of people and they're like, okay, are you, what's going on here? Are you recreationally using? Is this like a one, like you're having a wild weekend kind of right. thing, but you got the, the, kids and the job at home and, and you're okay or is this something like problematic where we need to get you into treatment yeah. and and so well, it's, didn't oregon washington haven't they jumped yeah, on that same did. boat they did it so portugal but has done they did it first in 2001 it's now been over 20 years and you look at their what it looks like in that country now their addiction rates are down by 60 percent like mm-hmm. 60 that's mm-hmm. huge their drug uh, injection drug use rates are down by 70% and their drug-related crimes, property crimes, prostitution, all those things that come along with it, they're all massively down, right? Because it's now when, you're, when your focus is like, what's the real problem that you're using and how right. can we help you, right? right? You, have, you have an opportunity for resolution. It sounds like they're trying to treat the, the problem and not the symptom with the symptom being the use of the drug, whatever right. the drug may be, right? It's what's wrong with you, the mental right. health side it's of the it. the mental health side of it. You, you brought up uh, earlier about the, the, the uh, mouse in the cage that drank yeah. the, the water with the cocaine in it and would, would only go to that over, over uh, food and water. Right. I, I, I heard that story forever and ever and ever and never heard like the other part of that. Have you ever heard the other part of that story? Oh, with, yeah. So yeah. The, the, the other part of the story is Rat Park. Yes. I had never heard that as many times as I Smashing heard. Pumpkins wrote a song about it. <laughs> Did they really? Spite on my rage. I'm Spite on my rage. I'm still just a rat, rat in a cage. cage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> talking about. But yeah, tell, tell the people that, that may not have heard about Rat Park. Oh, Rat Park. So there's this... Um, awesome man in Canada named Dr. Bruce Alexander. 
and he's a researcher. And so he, before he became a researcher, he was um, you know, right out of med school. He was assigned to work in a clinic where he had to work with like the chronically homeless and chronically drug using population. I think they were giving out, maybe it was a methadone clinic back in the seventies. And um, he had, he saw like something totally different than this story he had been, he had seen about addiction when, as he was growing up. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, was that funny? Yeah. Was that funny? That's a little uh, off, off camera uh, action going on over there. Her daughter's playing some kind of game on the That iPhone. must be a good game. Yeah. <laughs> get, keep going, keep going. Anyway, so Dr. Bruce Alexander, he, he sees a different side to the people who are struggling. He sees it like they're just everyday humans like him, and they experience something rough, um, but they have hopes and dreams and wishes and people that they love and families that they care about. And so he started researching and he found obviously this rat in a cage. So the original rat experiments that the majority of our society in the United States uh, and really in the entire world understands what what we think about addiction is very simple. You put a rat in a cage and a a water bottle that's got heroin or cocaine in it and they drink it and they compulsively use, right? Dr. Alexander says, uh, you know what? Let's, let's try something different. Well, he's like, he's like, rats don't live in cages alone. Right, right. So he and his team, they do these experiments, but they build a rat park, which is like heaven for rats, right? right. They've got all these balls, and they've got the little wheels, and they've got all kind of f- different food bowls everywhere, lots of cheese, lots of friends. They can... Other stuff than drugs. Correct. Yeah, other stuff than Correct. drugs. They can um, have, you know, fun with their friends if they want to. <laughs> uh, they can... Uh, socialize it. Right? We got kids. In yeah, here, right, so right. You right, know right. what I'm saying. It's they like a do, rat party. They can do rat things. Yeah. They can do rat. We'll do what rats do. They do yeah. rat <laughs> things, right? And so, what they found, and in Rat Park, they have regular water and they have the heroin water or okay. the cocaine laced water. So they have both. And when what they found is that in Rat Park, the when the rats have other things to do mm. and healthy and connected lives, and they can socially interact. They don't want the drugged water, mm-hmm. right? Some you go from a one hundred percent overdose death rate when they're isolated and lo- alone to a zero percent overdose death rate when they have community. Okay. And so, what he hypothesized from this is like, what if the story of addiction is it's not about the drug? Mm-hmm. It's about your environment. It's about your cage. And sometimes, when life gets hard. You know, our our cage can turn into something very lonely. You know, I when my addiction started, I by to the outside world looking at me, it probably looked like oh, she's got everything she wants. Mm-hmm. Right? She's an engineer. She just, just graduated. Came back from Ole Miss. Yeah. She's got this awesome job. She's doing this Whole work life that she wanted to do. Like, uh, but on the inside, you know, I was really struggling, and I didn't know how to ask for help, and I didn't know how to communicate that. I honestly didn't even really understand that I was struggling. You know, I just thought, Routine. just keep going, yeah. keep going, just get to keep the next swimming. day. Keep, keep swimming, just keep, keep swimming. swimming. Yeah. Right. And so, anyway, Rat Park tells us that that addiction is really there's a whole different story to it. It's about it's about your cage. Yeah, it, it, and that's a big thing. But I guess my thing is 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 you know there's a lot of people who get chances. Mm-hmm. Like you get yeah. plenty of chances and plenty of chances and plenty of chances. And then where, where does it separate between those people who never are going to get it and the people who do? 
Have you seen that? Well, I believe that it's never too late for anyone. Right. right? 100%. I do too. As long as they're still breathing, there's there's chance yeah. for them to get better. But I do believe that we, the people around the person who's experiencing problematic substance use, like the people around them, like you do have to set boundaries, right? right? And there are chances. You know, I think that um, if somebody, let's say if, if somebody comes in, if my neighbor steals my lawnmower because they are an alcoholic. And, and so I call the police and the police come and they say, Hey, you know, this person's got a a drinking problem. And I may say, well, okay, I'm not going to file charges. But then if that happens continuously, right. Right. You've got, there has to be some accountability and some repercussions for it. So, um, but you know, then again, like we're, we're criminalizing the theft. Like that's the crime that's happening. Correct. Not, not the alcoholism. Right. Um, and so I think with with substances, it should be the same thing. You know, if yeah. somebody is struggling with substances, like let's don't worry about the substance. Let's worry about the actions you're committing. Right? Mm-hmm. Are you are you being violent? Right? Are you committing domestic violence? Is it unsafe? Are you driving around making other people get in danger? Um, I think like let's treat the actions right kind of like we do with alcohol. Yeah. So what, what what is your perfect world for the root of the problem? What do we do? Where do we start this? High schools, middle schools? Mm, you know, I think, oh, so this is, this is just Angela gets to dream, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Perfect so world. This is a perfect, perfect world. Perfect world. I would love to see um, trauma-informed schools starting at at K-4. You know, all the way, all the way through college. And when I say trauma informed, I mean the teachers, the staff, the even some of the parents. Like, let's explain to them the role that trauma plays mm-hmm. in a in it later on as an adult, right? So, because if you can catch a kid who is going through tough time at home, right? Whether that's it, it could be a lot of things. And there's right. a ton of them. There's a ton of them. If right. you can catch that at a young age um, and start wrapping around services with that kid, you know, like let's say something terrible is going on at home. Well, maybe we start giving him extra support at school and just making sure that he's got a loving environment at school. Talk to the counselors. Yeah. You know, do all the stuff that we can do to help mitigate the effects of trauma in children. I think that's a that's one place to start. Second place to start, I think our prevention curriculum for the new generation needs to look different. You know, like get rid of dare, no more frying pan. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I want to start having honest conversation conversations with kids and anybody else who is around them. Um, I well, let me rephrase that. I don't want to talk to kids. Right, right, right. Standing I talk to them every day. Qualified. <laughs> Uh, standing, just throw elbows I, I would there. like rather stand in front of a thousand, uh, you know, adults or lawmakers and speak to them than in front of a thousand high nah, schoolers. That is that terrifying to me. Now, I, I will say <laughs> it, it has, has definitely changed in my, our mm-hmm. lifehood because we were all alcohol, tobacco, marijuana. Those were the gateway drugs. Now all the kids today are vaping. 
Like that's the number yeah, one vape. pandemic. It's the, okay. it's the same uh, yeah. drug, just a different delivery. Correct. Form. So yeah. vapes are like you can't smell them, you can't do anything with them. They're all it's, right. It's a weird thing. It's man. a new technology, but see, but here's where you're, here's where you're wrong. Though. I'm sorry to tell you you're wrong. Uh, I'm going to do it. So people nicely, tell me though. all the time. He's heard he's wrong, wrong before. Okay, I'm going to do it nicely. Go ahead. Believe. You can do it, me. Alcohol, drugs, marijuana. We're not gateway drugs. Correct. I was just using that term. Yeah. Trauma yes. is the gateway drug. Yes. Right. So trauma is the difference between those who just experiment and those who like head down this different path. Well, uh, I'm sure that there's still cases of people though who like had the greatest childhoods, great parents, you know. And still just turned out to be addicts. I think there is a chemical aspect of it too. Like biologically, some people are just wired that way. Mm-hmm. I feel like now that that might be the outlier, and the, and that may be a super small amount of people. But I, I I don't think it's always that. Some people just make bad choices. Yeah, some people make bad choices, and some people choose the wrong coping skills. But, right. But I would say that um, so, some it doesn't always have to be like some traumatic negative i mean i had a wonderful childhood yeah like my parents are great my my extended family was always there and around me like it's it's not their fault yeah right what happened to me later on right but i did experience some traumatic things it was not my family's fault right you know it just it's just life that happened and i didn't and didn't know how to cope with that maybe sometimes it's self-perpetuating Right? Yeah. Like if you make bad choices and you continue to make bad yeah, choices, and then, you then do that it. is the trauma, I guess. Yeah. So And then you get out of, and then you get stuck in it and you're like, there's no way out of this. So you just continue to make the bad choices. Yeah. Don, um, Don Mills says uh, environment is everything. Environment. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So in, in Angela's perfect world, I think we could talk about trauma really early with kids. And I think we could start having honest conversations about substances. And because like, Dare's not going to work. We're talking about marijuana because cannabis is about to be legal. Correct. You know, I mean, it's medical marijuana is legal here now. I'm sure in the foreseeable future, adult use will happen, maybe even federally. And so the those that messaging around drugs are bad and drugs are going to kill you, like mm-hmm. our kids are tone deaf to that. Mm-hmm. We need to start having real conversations with them that say, like, there are these substances out there in the world. Some of them work really, really well. For medicinal purposes, some right. of them work really, really well. You know, like Jared, if you've got a patient you've got to put to sleep and you're going to use fentanyl. Yeah, I mentioned that at yes. your talk. That was because yeah. we everybody got a chance so to let's speak. Tell tell that story. Yeah, I so, love that story. Yeah, they were going around the room, and your your um, what's her name, Christina. Your, Christina says at the beginning, like everybody will have one minute to speak with the microphone passed around mm-hmm. the room. If you don't want to, you don't have to, but you will at least like get an opportunity. So everybody's talking about drugs, and fentanyl keeps getting brought up, brought up, brought up, brought up, brought up. Well, I, I use fentanyl as a anesthetist every single day. To I give it to my patients, right? right. Yeah. And so like everybody's like, and I see it on the news too it, it's very um, bad bad death yeah exactly it's a very um demonized yeah. substance as it should be in the context that people are talking about it when they gave me the microphone i was like you know my name's jared and i give people fentanyl every day like yeah. I, I give people drugs <laughs> everybody just kind of like it went, was just golden like what? we have talked about that so many times since then who invited this wonderful. guy i yeah. wish i could have jared in all the cities we got yeah it was definitely got some looks and i was like no hold on i work in surgery i'm gonna right. this i was like but i just want people to understand that what it was designed to do it's a very potent drug that works really quick it it starts working really quick and it stops working really really quick which is for me 
what I need. I need to be able yeah. to control how long you're going to be anesthetized from this drug right. versus something. And I have other tools in my toolbox. If I want something that lasts a long time, that also is depending a tool on what surgery you're going to correct. Do. How long you need pain relief? How long till I want to wake you up? How long I want you up moving around? All those things matter in my world, but in the drug addiction outside of the hospital world, it's not a good thing it's because bad. it is so much more potent. Yeah. So, so we made the transition in our country from the kind of fentanyl that Jared uses, right, to the fentanyl that we read about and hear about on the news every night. We made that transition around 2014, 15. It's when you really started to see really? in, uh, illicit fentanyl making its way into the United States. And then around 16, 17, it just skyrocketed. Um, and it is here. It is here with us. Where is it coming because from? Because of... Mostly. Um, now, mostly, the cartels have, mm -hmm. have bought... It originally happened from China. So some labs in China figured out how to make synthetic fentanyl, and then they started shipping it to the cartels, and the cartels in Mexico, and they brought it here. Well, the cartels have... You know, they have the technology now, so they just right. make it they themselves. They just reprocess re re right. it, yeah. And so, and it's not just Mexico. There's lots of countries, you yeah. know, organizations doing this. So I don't want to like point the finger just right. down south. It's not right. just you guys. Anyway, so, um, yeah, 2015, 16, we start seeing this illicit fentanyl. Well, it's here with us because of our our drug policies and this crazy little thing called the Iron Law of Prohibition. The Iron Law of Prohibition is a, a theorem that was published in the 50s, and it is was proven true then and it's still true today. The Iron Law of Prohibition says that any time you prohibit a, a popular substance and does not go away, it just goes underground where you lose any quality control and you get contamination or mm -hmm. you get a potency increase. Okay. Okay, so what happened is the further that we crack down on opioids, Right. We we just kind of like gave this whole market, the, the whole demand. Yeah. Right. All the people who were taking them, who needed them, who wanted them. We handed that over to the black market the further that we cracked down on being able to acquire them legally. Correct. And so that incentivized the black market to be like, oh, well, we need to innovate our technology and get the strongest opioid possible. Well, these labs figured out how to make synthetic fentanyl. And so now you can smuggle an ounce of fentanyl and make the profit margin that you could get on, you know, a bale of heroin. Right. So they're just cutting it up. Right. So it, it's just, well, it's no, all about. it's not cutting it up. It's actually more potent in and of itself. It's like the difference between drinking a beer or drinking a shot of whiskey. The shot of whiskey is going to get you a lot more drunk, a lot quicker right. with a lot less volume. But, but why are people dying from it now? Well, because, because it's so not potent. controlled and they don't know the the methadone that they were on or the um oxycontin that they mm -hmm. were on they don't know the difference between taking that as a pill right. versus injecting it now and they don't know how much they're getting there's it's not it doesn't come in a you know a pharmaceutical so, vial uh, everything you hear you. on the news it's like a i don't even know what they call it a, a grain of fentanyl will kill you or whatever right. it is right so with heroin you know the margin of error is i don't know I have it, no idea how you measure heroin, but nah, with heroin, the mar the margin of error is probably, you know, in grams. 
if you're if you're milligrams. It milligrams. I would assume we don't use heroin obviously at the hospital, but right. they all metabolize into the same yeah. thing. Okay. Morphine milligrams. So. so with fentanyl, you're you're dealing with like micrograms, correct? Which is tiny. And correct. so the margin of error is like tiny. Yeah. And so like a hair follicle. And if right. when they're when these substances, no, no, this is weight. We're talking weight, right? right. <laughs> Versus that width would be. I'm talking about size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you're when you're talking about um, production wise, this is not being made in some state of the art, FDA right. controlled, regulated laboratory, right? It's being made in, in somebody's basement. In somebody's basement, uh, you know, wherever it can be made, and so there's absolutely no way to make sure that these the counterfeit pills that are being made with do they have one microgram of fentanyl or do they right. have two and it's all over the news right now and then I mean, all, and also too you know addicts don't necessarily you're not in your right mind right so you want to get as high as you can they're not they're not using it in a controlled setting they're just taking as much as they can right and then well, that's when overdoses happen yeah as well. so so that that some of that happens too um but unfortunately what I've I've had since I've been doing this work guys I've had the incredible opportunity to meet lots of parents mm -hmm. who are who ha have dealt with the most horrible tragedy I could ever imagine right they've lost their kids right. mm -hmm. Stuff. and they lost their kids who were high school kids or college kids um, and some of them were even adults who were struggling with drug use but a, a lot of people, and I think the re the majority of the people that we're seeing who are dying are, like, they're not long-term drug users. Mm. They're, like, first-time experimenting. Yeah. Or just every other month, and they get the wrong pill. And then yeah, or they're, like, college kids. Yeah. That, that, that I mean, there's the counterfeit pharmaceutical market now is the real thing. Mm. Like, I, a friend of mine... Um, works for MBN and I was watching a presentation that he gave a couple of months ago and he had a picture of this like fake Adderall that is, they confiscated that was heading for college campuses. Mm -hmm. And so like not only are they making like fake opioids. Right. They're Any kind of fake drug. Adderall, they're just mixing it whatever they just got. Just mixing it with yeah. whatever and like it had fentanyl in it. And so it, there's a lot of like younger adults and teenagers that are thinking they're using pharmaceuticals, but they're just counterfeit pills. And so mm. that's a lot of the death that we see. It's scary, especially what, for young kids. What is, uh, you, you talked about policy, which is ma ma the majority of what y'all do, right? Mm -hmm. So do you, you spend a lot of time in Jackson dealing, talking to legislatures and lobbyists and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I we have an office in Jackson. And of course I've lived there for mm. the last nine years um, before moving back here. So yeah, we, we spend a lot of time talking to lawmakers, talk, but also talking to people at the local level, like lots of, you know, prosecutors and mm -hmm. judges and sheriffs, um, just trying to help them understand and, and kind of zoom out and see the bigger picture and realize that, that more policies that increase incarceration or increase um, crackdowns and criminalization, it, that's not going to give us the results that we're really looking for. We want to look over here, and right now we got to figure out how do we keep people alive. Yeah. Right. So this next session, um, you guys, will, I'm sure, will hear if you follow the news, you're going to hear lots of conversation about fentanyl testing strips. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And drug checking equipment. And it I'm seems a, like a no-brainer, right? Like to get that out there on the streets. Yeah. 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 And and so that's a it's a harm reduction response that just says, hey, there's the boatload of contaminated substances out here with fentanyl, and then. We don't want you 
to die. Yeah. So here, here, use these fentanyl testing strips. I just saw this. Oh, so wait a minute. You're talking about giving them to the public or law enforcement will have these? Yeah, both. Okay. Both. We want to make sure law enforcement has them. We want to give it out to the public. Um, make sure that if parents are concerned, like if parents find some crazy thing in their kid's book bag and they want to check and see what it is. I think everyone should have access to them. The A lot of times you can hear people, because that kind of falls in line in my mind, the same as like giving, uh, providing clean needles for people to use that are, mm -hmm. are addicted to IV drugs. Um, but then people are pushed back and say, you know, why would we give that away for free when people who are diabetic diabetic yeah. pay for insulin? Nettle, do, you hear, do you hear stuff yeah. like that a lot? Well, you know, I've heard that before too, but did you know that like, where in states where they have clean needle exchanges. Oh, it works. The majority, yeah, it, well, it works for drug use, but it, like a lot of people that come there are diabetics. Like they, uh, they can come get clean syringes too. It doesn't, uh, it's not just for drug users. Well, oh, I, I guess the- Can they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I guess, but I, I'm, I was talking more about the, the insulin oh, the versus insulin. the needle yes. itself, but- Yeah, that came up a lot with like Narcan pushback. Yeah. When we were- To give that away for free. Yeah. And yeah. So in 2000. 17, the legislature passed House Bill 996 that allowed for Narcan um, to be distributed and for first responders to be able to use it, but the public to be able to use it too. And so, so there was some pushback then. Yeah. Why is Narcan free and insulin? Why is Narcan free? Or I wonder why they can't just allow it to be sold because you don't get high off of Narcan. So why can't you just buy it over the counter? Yeah, that's a great question. And then you'd be paying for it yourself. If the FDA didn't, if they would just like make it an over the counter medication, it'd be a lot easier, but it's not. I mean, all it does is it just. It binds to the same receptor that yeah. the opioid would. So it can't, the opioid can't do its job anymore. Right. It that's just it throws it back. Kicks it off of there. Yeah. Yeah. So it brings people back. Yeah, and I don't know. Is that that's where where do y'all have Narcan? Is there is that still in thing? The Narcan? You yeah. Right? So F it first is. responders carry it. Mm -hmm. They sure. carry it all the time. It's a nasal. They right. Oh, nose. it's a spray. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's not it, an injection. It can, well, it can be delivered in any okay. different methods. Yeah. It's uh, available in Mississippi. Um, you can reach out to your local community mental health centers if you're here on the coast and you need it. If you're concerned that you might needed or someone that you you have a family member you're concerned about using and you want to have it in your house just in case if you're here on the coast you can call me um, or reach out to me on facebook it's okay. angela mallet um, my email is angela at end it for good.com and uh, i keep it stocked at my house okay and wow. so I'll, I'll make sure that you get it um, but you can also get it at singing river services in pascagoula um, crossroads in biloxi or crossroads in gulfport it's here and it's available, I'm but sure. it's paid for through the Mississippi Department of Mental Health. And it's okay. just walk in as yeah. no questions. Asked. No, well, you got to watch sure the video. I'm sure there's a stigma okay. associated with it, though, right? I mean, some people may not care, but I'm sure that's a barrier for people as well, right? That's almost like saying I have a problem. Right. If you're the um, someone who's addicted, Using, if you have a, yeah. a, a legitimate reason, because some yeah. people take pain medicine at high doses, like you said, a family mm -hmm. member might have cancer. I may want to get it and have it in my house if I'm giving you your cancer meds in case for some reason mm -hmm. that dose for that day yeah. you know hits yeah. you different or, or or if you're a young kid with a mom or a dad struggling or yeah. a grandma Correct. you can get in touch with you and you yeah. can drop it off yeah narcan's a a life-saving medication for sure, and yeah. and um when we want to make sure that it's available so anyway next session we're going to hear conversation around fentanyl testing strips i hope that it makes it through our legislature um all the conversations that that i've had with state leaders, um, legislators, and even 
even people that work for our <coughs> state agencies, it, they seem to all be in favor of it. And I hope I hope that it works. Is there, it goes through. Is there any other big policy issues coming up that, that y'all are keeping an eye on? Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot of talk about Kratom. Yeah. And uh, what to do with Kratom you now buy that, that medical, counter, yeah. medical marijuana has passed. I don't I don't have any experience with Kratom. I don't know a lot some about it. Some people swear by it. I mean, you go to like some of these local stores and they're like they're selling it like hotcakes. And yeah. and so, you know, my my thoughts around Kratom obviously just go back to the policy. Like we've had a hundred years mm-hmm. of trying to outlaw substances and every time you do it, something worse comes from the black market to take its place. Is Kratom yeah. natural? What is Kratom? Is it natural? Is it an herb? It, yeah, what, uh, it's an it's an herb from what I understand, but I do know that like there are some th- synthetic m- mimics of it that right. are really dangerous. Yeah, I don't know much about it. Other either. than it's supposed to give you a euphoric feeling. Well, well. I thought it was like for pain, like people it with is. Like, injuries like, or something yeah. like that. And so, you know, my, like, my kind of... Opinion on kratom is just that if you if you ban it, if you criminalize it, then what's going to take its place? Like, and is it going to be worse? So why not look at like are there ways to regulate it to mm-hmm. make sure that the people who want to use it know what they're buying, they know the potency, and they know where it's produced at, and they know that it's it's not going to damage them. So I think to me that makes more sense than trying to you know just make it illegal and then you don't know what's going to pop up and be and take its place we had way early in the show like episode four or five i don't know if you ever heard of dave singletary that ran yes. for governor he was actually on the show this was Roy when we got started but he did make one kind of i mean i don't know take it however you want but he talked about legalizing most stuff uh-huh. on his end of it uh, almost everything and he said something that I had never heard before. It may not be an original idea, but that just like you take a driver's test to drive a car, and that's a dangerous thing, get on the road. Absolutely. Right? Boat, he said anything. you should have to take a test for drugs, almost like a driver's test, to where at least you've been exposed to this is what they are, this is how they work, and this is what they can do to you. And then that way you can not say that you don't know about it, and then here you have this education that you've received like almost like a license. Here's your card. Yeah. Here's your card. And I mean, I was kind of like, that's, well, you know, that's I mean, weird. There, there's something to that, Jared. Yes, there, it wasn't my idea. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't my idea. He's running for governor, so you can vote for yeah, it. Well, yeah. But anyway, I, I was kind of, it kind of took me the same way it just did you. I was like, I mean, I don't know. That's not the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right. If you were going to legalize everything, you know, because the libertarian stance on it would be that you should have the right to do whatever you want, put yeah. whatever substance you want into your body, as long as exactly. you don't create as long as you don't commit a crime that already exists, like you said, driving a vehicle impaired, robbing a bank, shooting someone, domestic violence, those are all crimes that yeah, are crimes. That. You can't do those. But if you just sat at your house and did what you did, but there's a there, we don't have enough time to debate how that plays out, you know, yeah. over a society. I'm going I'm going to to uh Liberty Forum next week and gonna have lots of these conversations with libertarians from all across yes. the country so i'll come back and let you know how okay. that goes well yeah you know how you get a group of libertarians in one room you're not going to get them to agree on anything yeah, right? order. <laughs> not together but no. I, I think with the legalization of uh marijuana if that comes across i think kratom would kind of fall to the way the wayside i think that's just a, a, a thing off of marijuana am yeah, i wrong it, on that i'm not sure but i i am curious to hear actually you know if there's anybody listening and you have experience with Kratom, whether it's helped you or, or it's harmed you, 
I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. I've heard I've heard Call horror me. stories and I've heard great stories about it. It's a lightsaber, hurt, had my back pain, and then I've heard, well, I got just as addicted off of Kratom as I was off of yeah. whatever. And, you know what and most drugs yeah. are like that. Right. You know? I have absolutely no experience with it during you know my day. It wasn't around. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess don't. it's the same thing with heroin and uh, methadone, right? You give people heroin. I mean, they get off heroin, they get on methadone. Correct. Mm-hmm. They get addicted to methadone. Now they're addicted well, to methadone. And that so. was one thing we kind of touched on, but I maybe didn't articulate the greatest way was that a lot of that um, market that you described that the black market filled the, the, the opioid addiction came from people writing, um, um, Oxycontin mm-hmm. prescriptions and telling the public that it was not addicted. There's a whole Netflix series. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched it. I, haven't, sick. It's so I good. haven't seen it yet. I heard it's amazing, but that big pharma completely lied to the FDA and they were, you know, complacent in it or whatever. And they could, they created all of these, you know, people who are addicts now, who legitimately thought they were getting medicine from their right. doctor that was not going to do that. Black to farms them. and all that stuff. Versus like, the person who was just out on the streets like, I want to get high, so I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the difference between how they became an addict uh, because of something they thought they were doing correctly. And then that's where your your um, fentanyl and all this is trying to fill that void now. Yep. So All true. Now, how, yeah. do you, how do you feel about those? Like, the, 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 the prescription, I guess, the, the guys, yeah, who are writing those prescriptions... And giving those out to people who don't need them, you know. What it's I'm funny saying? how that's legal and other right. things aren't, right? Right. <laughs> There's a, a great um, Macklemore song called "My Dope Dealer Was a Doctor." There you go. Yes. Um, there you go. So I think that the pharmaceutical companies certainly have a. Uh, they need to answer to the United States of America for the role that they played in in predatory well, marketing it's mm-hmm. dollars and cents to them right. that's well they just pay is. the fine and keep going yeah, that's it's dollars just part of the budget yeah. yeah and so so big pharma did play a role um but that's not the whole story correct and so we can we can i worry about people just getting stuck at that like oh right. it's their fault so we're gonna find them some money but we're gonna keep our policies all the same and we think that things are gonna get better but like they're not big pharma's gonna pay the money mm-hmm. right and that's they keep gonna keep going they're just going to keep going, and that's fine. But what we see now in our country with uh, massive amounts of people overdosing, addicted to drugs, and our prisons bursting at the seams, literally, yeah. like that will not change with big pharma, big pharma paying this money. Correct. Correct. That's not going to change until we do some serious rethinking of what our, our laws They're are. They're taking up resources, too, that could be directed towards like violent offenders. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. People who are really... Who are really causing, you know, major problems too? So, uh, Angela, what? Uh, where can we send people? What uh, you mentioned the the event coming up in Jackson? Is that correct? Natchez. Natchez. There, Natchez. Yeah. Ooh, it's it was North Mississippi. Yeah. See- Natchez Trace Parkway. You ever been there? Oh, uh, yeah, a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go with what four, 20, 35 miles an hour, fifty miles, 50 miles an, hour, an hour, and they will yeah. shut you down. They will arrest you. Yeah. They yeah. will arrest you. For Doesn't going. sound like a fun place. Yes. So um, we will be in Natchez on December 1st okay. during another community discussion there. And that will be our last one for the year. And then we'll be getting geared up um, and figure out like what 2023 is going to look like. We're going to have a big statewide conference in 2023. We've got some other fun events coming up. Um, but if you want me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the, all the places. It's Angela Mallet. I'm easy to find. Um, and you can check out End It For Good's Facebook page um, and or our website, it's www.enditforgood.com. 
And if you're a really a great nerd like me, you can go watch Super Nerd. Super Nerd. <laughs> you can go watch uh, a TED Talk by Christina Dent, our founder. She, Christina is the founder of End It For Good, and she did an awesome TED Talk talking about this and her experience as a foster parent in Mississippi. Yeah, That's it's a awesome. it's a really good TED talk. I've watched it. Um, it's, it's worth checking out for sure. Um, what about anybody that's listening to this? Maybe that knows somebody or is personally struggling with addiction. Where do you send people to get that first, you know, uh, outstretched hand for help? Yeah, it just starts with a phone call. Give me a call. Shoot me a text on Facebook Messenger. Whatever I can, I'll you know hear what's going on. We'll send you connect you with some treatment centers. Connect you with some people who can who can navigate that for you. Connect you with you know, whatever it is you need. You need. And it, everything is confidential, right? Oh, yeah. Is there okay. any any other organizations that you recommend, like uh, a national hotline or anything like that? Uh, yeah. So the Department of Mental Health Crisis Line is, let me just look it up for you. Yeah, One. I have to put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, I have it saved in my phone, but I just can't spit yeah. it out. Crisis Line. DMH Crisis Line is... This is for the Mississippi Department of Mental Health. It is 1-877-210-8513. And that is, they can also triage you, connect you with treatment centers, connect you with detox centers or, you know, emergency rooms mm -hmm. or crisis centers. So that's a great place to start. I love it. I love awesome. it. Thank you. Uh, and you brought us goodies. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah, we got it real quick so, before yes, that. I forgot. Yes. Shout these is, goodies out. This is from Lounge Nursery at uh, Ooh, the Scarlet Pearl. We've got some tarts. We've got. Come on out here, Joe. Let's take a oh, bite. I, 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 Come on. You got to try I'm trying to be on it's a diet. Rude. It's rude. I mean, it is. Look at this banana pudding. This is a cannoli. Here. Crack a cannoli. that in half. There you go. Oh, wow. Look at that. Show the camera. Look at that thing. Look at this, girl. We eat over here. You ain't getting none of it. That was like, uh, where's mine at? All right, where was that from again? <laughs> Lounge Nashery oh at the Scarlet Pearl. Dang, Scarlet Pearl. Big shout out to y'all. Mm. Uh, that yeah. definitely put a smile right on my face. Yeah, Nisha P uh, was the lady that was there tonight, and she took care of me. She got all this put together for you guys. Well, thank Nisha. Thanks, thank you, Nisha. Keep going, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Thank that you. Cannoli is unbelievable. That was very good, very hospitable. We appreciate Absolutely. your kindness. And um, man, I'm glad. Anything we can do for I ate you? The whole damn thing. Anything we can do uh, as far as getting in contact with y'all? Find mm -hmm. us on the website. It's awesome what y'all are doing. Yeah, keep sure. us in Thank the loop you. on your events too. We can share them out or you know have you back. Maybe in any I'll, moment. I'll come back um, after session and we can do a recap. Absolutely, and tell at. us what you learned. Yeah, that'd be great. Or Let's what you it. said, what you put down. All right. Let's do it. Well, look, thank you for your time. Thanks, everybody, for watching on the live and on the replay and listening in. And uh, where would my mouse go? Uh, can't you got no mouse. In my, oh, you got did batteries die? I don't know. Let's see. Uh, I got this one right here. You want to tell your joke? Got no mouse. Yeah, tell us a joke, girl. Come here. Oh, she come changed your mind. Come we on, cracked. girl. She come said on. no. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you on the next no, one. No, hold on. We got it. We got it. We got to come back. You already killed it? Yeah. Oh, oh now she's up. Oh, um... What has four wheels and flies? I don't know what. A garbage truck. Ah! <laughs> That's good. I'm going to leave that on the audio, so that'll be okay. on the audio podcast. Okay. All right, cool.
Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. We really appreciate it. We're excited to announce that we just launched our very own Brownwater Banter app. That's right. It's free to download in the App Store or on Google Play. Whether you're an iPhone user or an Android user, it doesn't matter. It's free. Download it now. Stay connected with the Brownwater universe. Inside the app, we have links to the Tales and Scales login, the marine forecast from NOAA, tides and currents, radar, a list of all the bait shops here on the Gulf Coast, everything you could need for a day out on the water having fun we've also got all the brown water social links right inside the app connections to our merch shop and if that wasn't enough we've also built inside of it a country radio station that's right so you can listen on the go i'm sure it'll evolve over time right now we're calling it brown water radio music for the outdoors so download it now check it out and we hope you dig it 